Breaking news as it happens. You're listening to Kevin McCullough Radio. All right. My next guest is someone who I have personally had the privilege of discussing how to deep fry a turkey with on on the Fox News channel. Now, it wasn't on the main channel. It was on a little place called the Strategy Room, which was kind of, well, at that time, it was like a closet on the 12th floor or somewhere. But it was, but it was a very memorable meeting. Uh, but it was just one of many conversations that I've had with uh, this very special person who has served not one, but multiple administrations uh, in the Pentagon and as part of national security and foreign policy teams. Uh, she is someone who held the civilian equivalent rank of a four-star admiral or general when she was at the Pentagon. And I am very pleased to say that she's also a wonderful friend. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for Katie McFarland. <laughs> Hey, can I just tell your audience what you meant by the deep frying the turkey? So you uh, and sure. I were on it. We were on a show that was the precursor of Fox Nation. It's an online show, and it was really the precursor of the five. Yep. And so you and I are sitting. They made there the wrong family. hires on that, by the way. They hired well, all the wrong people. You know, should have had you and me knows. on there, but it's a different thing. Exactly. So we're sitting. We debate everything from you know presidential politics to you know what you're going to do for Thanksgiving. So we're talking about Thanksgiving and turkeys, and then you pop up with how you deep fry a turkey. And I looked at you and I said, Kevin, do you know about deep frying turkeys? And then you went on to explain how you do it, and now you have to be really careful it's not a frozen turkey. And I was so dazzled with the breadth of your knowledge that I've just respected you ever since. Well, it's I appreciate that. And I think, you know, I, I do have just kind of a natural uh, curiosity about life. Um, in fact, uh, before we uh, sat down to have this conversation, you heard me having a conversation with Nicole Sapphire about breast cancer and the developments mm -hmm. in different areas of health and so forth. So I do have a very wide I don't know, interest in what's going on in the world. And that's why I, I like my shows to kind of reflect that, because I think it's a benefit to people if, if we can we can make life a little bit better for each other. And in as many ways as possible, I think that's a generally good thing. So having that as kind of the context of where we're going here, um, you've led an extraordinary uh, an extraordinary life. You've you've served your country in, in multiple ways. Not only are you uh, have have you served in in public office? Uh, but you've also uh, very much supported our nation's military. You're a proud Navy mm -hmm. mom. Uh, I've got a lot of Navy members in my family. Both grandfathers were in the Big War. Uh, my brother-in-law is active duty now, and um, really proud of him. Top Gun grad, so forth. Um, let me let me just so people kind of get a sense of this. What what is your sense of where we are with our military in 2023 as we speak right now? Oh, I think we're in trouble um, for a bunch of reasons. You know, for 20 years, we've ignored the military and the, the major looming threat in front of us, which is China. We focused on the Middle East, on the forever wars. And now I'm worried that we're ignoring the prevailing threat to us, which is China, as we're focused on Europe and Ukraine and Russia. Not that we shouldn't want to have Ukraine succeed, but don't do it at the expense of the real strategic threat to the United States. And certainly don't do it by drawing down our military capabilities so somebody else can fight their fight. And in addition to that, we've um, we've really fallen behind technologically. You know, we always think about America as the cutting edge technology power, whether it's with anything to do with cyber or whether it's anything to do with the Internet or computers or or, or cybersecurity or cyber weapons. 
And we've really fallen behind. I mean, the Russians and particularly the Chinese, they have a whole new class of weapons that we don't have. They're called hypersonic weapons. And we have no, we do not have hypersonic weapons. We do not have the ability to defend against hypersonic weapons. And that's just one area where we've fallen behind. So I'm worried that not only have we not kept up with where we should, but we're not looking to the future. And we've not, we're not developing these, these more sophisticated technological weapon systems and that we're not investing in, in high technology. You know, the Chinese understand that the country that controls quantum computing artificial intelligence, the country that controls the sort of 10 different areas of, of the technologies of the future controls the future. And China's had an all government approach, a whole of nation approach on surpassing the United States, not just economically, but militarily, technologically, politically, diplomatically, every way you can think of. And they plan to do it within a very short period of time, within the next five or 10 years. And I worry that we have no plan that we don't have a technology plan, that we don't have a military plan. I mean, we have a president who's kind of out of it, and we have an administration which is really not focused on the looming threat in front of it, which is China, and that we're going to be caught very flat-footed unless we change course within within a couple of years. Well, just an example of what you're talking about was the uh, hearing uh, about a week ago in which a uh, senator from Iowa, Joni Ernst, asked Energy mm -hmm. Secretary Granholm about the need to convert our entire military to ele electric vehicles by uh, six years from now, 2030. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, I'm sitting here, I'm not that technologically savvy. I mean, I know how to operate my, smone, uh, my phone and my computer, but you know, I'm, I'm not a tech geek by any stretch of the imagination. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, if I can think of ways that that would benefit our enemies and hurt us, surely smart people somewhere in Washington could have said the same thing to Secretary Granholm at some point. But instead, when she's asked about it, she doubles down and says, no, we absolutely can and we should because it's the right thing to do to be green. KT, I want my military to have zero capacity limitations. I, I don't want I don't want them to be able to move or not move based on what type of fuel they use or where the mm -hmm. energy comes from or anything else. In fact, I was talking with General Keene about this and I said, shouldn't we be like in R&D right now thinking about putting tiny little nuclear reactors in vehicles? I mean, we do it in the aircraft carriers and the submarines. Right. Shouldn't we be figuring out how to do that so we don't need any fuel at all? And he said there are people working on that, but it's all private sector. He happens to be associated with one of the companies that is. But we're we're not, to your point, thinking about the right things. No, and here's what's wrong about what Senator Granholm said. Number one, America has, we have the God-given resources to be not only energy independent, but energy dominant. We have, out of shale rock, we have the ability to power the world for hundreds of years. And we were well on our way to doing that. We were energy independent at the end of the Trump administration, well on our way to being energy dominant. Now, what energy dominant means is we export so much stuff, so much oil and natural gas, that we set the price. And we can set the price much lower than Russia and Iran, any of these other countries can. And so as a result of that, we drive down the overall price and we bankrupt our adversaries. So first of all, when Senator Granholm comes out and says, well, we want to go to an all electric fleet or we want to go to a green energy solution. Why are we tying our hands behind our back when we could be the dominant energy source for the world? And number two, when she talks about that, 
Guess where those contracts are coming from? Guess who's making all the stuff that goes into electric Every vehicles? ounce of lithium you need in the battery comes from where? China. <laughs> and so not only are we tying our hands behind our back and not using the natural resources that we've been given by the almighty, that we are absolutely enriching our enemies. We are paying for their military buildup because yeah. of our own shorthand. And then the final straw is that we're pledging this, that, we're going to disadvantage our own economy, lose jobs to China. But when you look at China, what are they doing? What are they doing about the green energy revolution and about reducing their emissions? Okay, they don't well, care about it. They don't, and they don't want their to military to, to care about it because they just want their military oh. to kill people and break things when it's time to do such things. She's KT McFarland. I'm Kevin McCullough. We're coming right back. Amplifying truth and pursuing clarity. It's Kevin McCullough Radio. This coming weekend is Mother's Day, uh, and I want to say Happy Mother's Day to you. And I'm curious if you have any, you know, special thoughts of how's how's Mother's Day for you this year? <laughs> Mother's Day, Grandmother's Day is a terrific holiday at our house. Um, you know, I think that of all the things I, I've done in my life, and it's a long life, and I've had great success and a long and, and a happy lot of marriage. Things. But the greatest thing is to be a mother and grandmother. We have five kids and they're all terrific. They're all, everyone is completely different. Everyone lives in a different part of the country. But for me, I took, unbelievably, I took a good decade and a half out of my professional life to be home with my kids. Wow. And it made all the difference. And I was able, thank, thank goodness, I was able to sort of restart a career, a little different career, but restart a career and enjoy another chapter of my life and great success in the politics and media world. But I must say that those years I've spent enriched me. Not only were they terrific for my children to have mom at hand all the time, but they enriched me. Now, a lot of women don't have that luxury mm. to stay home and to raise their kids. And I do, my heart goes out to all the women, including my own daughters and daughters-in-law who are struggling to try to balance family life, professional life, marriage, kids, work, career advancement. But I think it's just the greatest job you can ever have. And now that I'm a granny and I have grandchildren that are, <laughs> they call me Granny Mac, by the way. Um, now that I have grandchildren that are from the age of 21 down to three and a half weeks, um, it's been the greatest joy again to see them. And when you get old and you're looking back at your life and you think what's been important, what's not, the greatest thing is to be able to say, you know, I did that one okay. I did that right. I raised great kids. They're living fulfilling lives with wonderful partners in their lives. And now I'm looking at the children that they're raising and thinking, well, that's my legacy. Not necessarily some great career, although I had a good one, but also to think that my legacy is my grandchildren. Yeah, well, that's so well said and so beautifully said. Uh, and I hope it's an encouragement uh, to those of you watching or listening that may be mothers and may be in the thick of all of it and pulling your hair out and going, I don't know if I can take this anymore. <laughs> um, that's a voice that's been there and she understands. And KTI, you know, it's not a lot of people from your generation that what you did was not necessarily that popular uh, to take a decade and a half out and to do that. Um, we've made that choice in the McCullough household. And there are mm -hmm. days when my bride has said, should I have 
you know, stayed in the workforce, um, not because she just had a desire to do it, but she felt like maybe financially as a family, we'd be in a better place, but God's allowed us to do what we've done. And we're grateful uh, to really, in some ways with the new work from home economy, kind of both be there for the kids as much as possible. And you're right. I think that they're the best legacy we'll leave. There's not going to be anything that's going to, you can't put anything on my tombstone. That's going to Trump what my kids are going to be able to do and be <laughs> become because they had a mother and a father who loved them. And sadly, People know that that's scientifically accurate and we're denying the opportunity, which could spawn off into a whole bunch of other discussions right now, which I don't want to do. In our final minute uh, that we have left, I do want to ask you a fun question. You've worked with several different presidents. What's the funniest interaction you've ever had with a commander in chief? Oh, that's an amazing question. OK, so I work for President Nixon, President Ford. I was young. I had it in the West Wing of the White House. I worked for President Reagan. I knew them all. Um, could walk in and out of the Oval Office. But the funniest thing was in working for President Trump. So at the beginning of the Trump administration, there's President Trump sitting in the Oval Office behind the Resolute Desk. I mean, this is the desk that the all desk. presidents have sat, the desk. And we're sitting there, it's a morning meeting. I'm there with the Secretary of State. We're briefing the president. I don't even remember what the topic was. And the president is having a Diet Coke. And he's taking the Diet Coke and he is putting a Diet Coke with a lot of ice on the surface of the Resolute Desk. I'm thinking, oh my God, this is like a ring on the, de- on the desk that John F. Kennedy spoke from, that Ronald Reagan spoke from. He's going to leave a ring. And then he says to the Secretary of State, hey, you want a Diet Coke? What do you say? You can't say, no, thanks, sir, I'm fine. Of course you say, yes, sir, I love one. And so then the, the, the um, valet brings us the Diet Coke. So here I am looking at the Secretary of State. What do we do with our Diet Cokes? We can't put them on the desk. And we're sitting right up at the desk. We can't put them. Oh, my God. You know, maybe it's Donald Trump's ring that presidents 100 years from now will look at. But they sure don't want to look at Katie McFarland's ring of the Diet Coke. And so I look at the Secretary of State. He looks at me. We knew if we put that darn Diet Coke, that glass full of ice on the floor, then we'd probably spill it all over the famous rug, the Oval Office rug. So he looks at me, he pulls out the little handkerchief that he's got in his pocket, and he puts it down on the Resolute desk. And the two of us put our little Diet Cokes right there. We did not leave a ring. So (laughs) posterity will know that we had good manners. Or will it? I'll leave that up to the next generation to figure (laughs) out. I don't know if they'll know about it because your ring was not there. Um, there. KT McFarland, uh, it is a pleasure to have you with us. Thanks for coming on that Kevin show. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to be with you, Kevin. You got it. Kevin McCullough coming right back. Don't go away.